Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurntOrangeNation.com. Before we jump in, though, I'd love to let you know about a cool opportunity from our podcast host, Podient. Podient is an amazing service that handles all the technical stuff for you on the back end, whether it's hosting, uh, posting it out to the many podcast servers, so Google Play, Stitcher, obviously Apple Podcasts, Spotify. They'll push it all out for you, handle back end analytics. All you need to do is record and give your podcast a title, and you're off to the races. They're actually offering all of our listeners a really cool opportunity. If you want to start your own podcast, you can get a 14-day free trial of their premium services, and you can sign up using the code LONGHORN to get 25% off your first three months of the service. Again, that's Podient, P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O. Sign up using the offer code LONGHORN to get a 14-day free trial and 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. And before we go one more time, we want to give you another week to fill out our demographic survey. It helps us out a ton. Just let us know who we're interacting with, who we're dealing with week in and week out, so we can say cool things like we have still more listeners that are in Africa, which I think is just phenomenal. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I am joined by my good friend, a man who is pretty excited about Ricky Williams buying Bitcoin, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Yeah, that's that's a pretty fantastic intro because I have been trying to figure out a way and I appreciate the the alley-oop. I'm going to drop it down like like Clint Capella on a Chris Paul pick and roll. That game's on the background. Um, There is a headline on CNBC.com. Ex-NFL star Ricky Williams studies astrology and is telling him to invest in Bitcoin. The only way that headline could be more Austin is if it said also plans to buy uh, fixed gear bicycle futures and invest heavily in the waxed mustache market. So um, love Austin, but come on, man. That's pretty You're really playing up the stereotypes on that one, CNBC.com. I guess if they could incorporate paddle boarding and uh, some sort of Mexican food puns, I think that'd be the only way we could probably get any better on that. I'm not sure how else. But we are not on our Mexican food slash tacos podcast. We're here to talk a little Texas sports. We've got a uh, baseball. They took a kind of a extended time off for finals, so we'll do a little breakdown of how they can end the season looking uh, to set themselves up in a good position for the Big 12 tournament. Uh, football picked up a big commitment from a big tight end uh, and then the non-revenue sports had a lot of stuff going on so we'll ba- break that down and then obviously we'll close it out with some bang the drum so Kyle like I said baseball took nine days off which seems weird to me I was looking at the schedule I was like oh, that's a that's a big old gap uh, finals I guess I don't I don't know why else I mean the, the ladies are playing but that's neither here nor there uh, so nine days without baseball and Texas is about to start off a four-game homestand to end the season Texas State on Tuesday and then a three-game weekend series to close out the regular season against the Texas Christian Horned Frog. So TCU is um, kind of a thorn in the horn side in pretty much every sport, I feel safe to say. Uh, But baseball is 
may be the chief offender outside of football. So, uh, Kyle, what what is it looking like for Texas heading into this weekend uh, to close out the regular season to set them up for a uh, a deep run in the Big Twelve and then hopefully the NCAA tournaments? Yeah, I mean, nine days without without UT baseball, you, you come to you come to kind of appreciate it and just take it for granted a bit. Um, it's uh, it's a long time and it's a long time to be sitting on this hypothetical of what's going to happen next for UT. They kind of have this one little stretch. Um, I know Jake McKenzie needs to, to make the, the All-American academic list, so I get it. They're giving him time off. I appreciate that. But nine days, and then they're going to come back strong with a four-game homestand. Um, one of those against Texas State, who, remember the last time we came out, it took a walk-off Grand Salams to uh, – that's not Rashawn Salam. That is a Grand Salami. Sorry, I should be specific about that, not to confuse those who are fans of Penn State football in the 90s. We actually had uh, a pretty tough go of it, so we're hoping that that can be a little bit easy because the, the last three games are against the TCU team that, as we said last week, hey, UT baseball is peaking at the right time. You know who else is peaking at a pretty good time? That would be those those same danged horn frogs. And just to give a little, a little stats on how um, pathetic UT has been against the horn frogs, and again, we on this podcast have a very distinct purple bias. I don't want anything to do with, um, you know, the the Kansas State uh, Wildcats. Don't want anything to do with the Horn Frogs. <laughs> don't want anything to do. Well, that's not true. I love Prince. R.I.P. We lost a legend. But outside of Prince, I want nothing to do with the color purple. Um, but yeah, the, in baseball specifically, since they got to the Big Twelve, TCU is twelve and three in the regular season, including three sweeps. Yikes! Against our beloved Horns baseball team, um, fourteen and five overall, a five hundred split in the in the Big Twelve tourney, um, which is just not great because again. Uh, TCU has kind of, you know, had the better upper hand in, in football, and this is really kind of the 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 battle for for CDC this this series. So hopefully, the Longhorns uh, treasure their new king, King Del Conte, and <laughs> uh, and come out and, and make something. But TCU is hot in general. They've won nine of their past eleven um, with series win- wins against Texas Tech. Uh, who's a very, very, very good team. And we're getting super hyped about UT doing that same thing. And also West Virginia, who was a Bane in UT's side. Honestly, what UT does this week will really define the end of the season and kind of where UT baseball lies in this decade. This, this for me, is the biggest week uh, in Longhorn baseball since the end of the 2011 season, um, the beginning of this decade. So um, this is a chance for David Pierce to show. Um, he, he says some interesting things. I really like Pierce. He always talks about there's like five different um, – Championships, I think he says, or five different tournaments, and he talks about you know the regular season, the Big Twelve, the regional. Like he kind of breaks it up in a really interesting way. There's different chances to go out and win something, and he I saw that when he was talking kind of retrospective of last season, and I think that's cool. I'm I'm glad he does that. But this is a big one. This is for this season. They may not get the Big Twelve championship, but what's on the line that's maybe more important is the chance to host an NCAA regional um, tournament. So that's going to be enormous. A series sweep of TCU puts them in such a great position to host that. Uh, And if they win one, I don't think they host. If they win two, it's out of their control. So I think they need to come out and really get a sweep uh, this week. Texas, like you said, kind of holds its own destiny. And TCU, I don't know what it is about 
about that team, but they seem to hold Texas's number in essentially every sport that's not track and field and volleyball. It just seems like Texas can't get out of its own way against TCU. Thankfully, Oklahoma State has a series against Texas Tech this weekend that could also help Texas's cause quite a bit. Tech was really hot. Uh, they lost a couple of series back to back. That's actually their last two uh, Big 12 t- uh, series, so they dropped a little bit. They dropped from second to fourth, uh, partially in things. Thanks to our Texas Longhorns. What up, fellas? Uh, but no, if if I mean if Tech can pull two against OSU and Texas can pull two against TCU, then Texas is at the top of the conference by virtue of the tiebreaker because they won the season series, which would go a long way. So I think if if Texas gets some help, yes, they they can they can lose one. But I'm not a fan of putting your success in somebody else's hand. So if they can come out and win all three, then then that's even better. And I think they definitely have a legit shot to uh, to overtake Oklahoma State for a, for a regular season title. UT just needs to do what they need to do. Um, basically, we'll find out. Uh, we're recording this as the 14th. Two weeks from now is Selection Monday. We will know um, the top 16 basically seeds. And there are some some caveats where occasionally it's not a straight six. 16 ranking also because baseball doesn't truly have one definitive ranking source the way football does. There's about three or four that kind of composite. So um, it's a little bit of a gray area, but, but it's not always just a straight 16. Sometimes you have financial and travel concerns and regional. You don't want eight teams in the same you know state that host regionals. Um, so there are things that line up that help Texas. Uh, Tech will probably get one. Texas will most likely get one if they do what they need to do. Um, it won't be A&M. It's not probably going to be Houston. So it's looking pretty good. There's some things that go in their favor. They're currently kind of sitting right around the number 17 spot in most polls. So so getting into that 16 spot should not be a problem, again, as long as they come out and do what they need to do and, and take the world into their own hands. But we will find that out uh, in, in two weeks. So we're really hoping that Coach Pierce gets those guys focused. First of all, that they don't overlook Texas State, as we said. Um, get the job done there because you don't want any trouble um, and then basically come out and just really uh, do it for CDC and, and take care of uh, TCU and really put them in their place where they belong. They don't need to be the big dogs in baseball, football, or otherwise. Um, you know, <laughs> Kyle going scorched earth. Today. Yeah, come on. Get out of here, TCU. Go back to where you came from. Wow. No, and really I was looking back at, at where Texas kind of faltered and they're, they're kind of two bad uh, innings away from being at the top of the conference. They gave up a four spot in the sixth uh, on in a Saturday game against Kansas State that really cost them. They were able to they put up seven in the ninth of that game. They were one run short. Uh, and then they gave up again three in, a, in the eighth against West Virginia on a Saturday game. So there are... Texas has been in a position where it held its own destiny in its hands on several occasions, or at least two that I've seen in and was unable to do it. So Again, if they can if they can just take a series from a team that's 500 in the conference, they're two and six on the road. Like this is a prime position for you to get a series sweep, end the regular season with it, and take the conference regular season championship and, and set yourself up for a great run at the postseason. Moving on from baseball, Texas football picked up a 
a big commit this week from the number 13 tight end in the nation, Braden Lebrock out of uh, Arizona, Chandler, Arizona, to be exact. He held offers from basically all of the Pac-12, uh, Ohio State, Ole Miss, USC, um, Missouri, so SEC schools mixed in there, Notre Dame, uh, Alabama was also, he had an offer from, but he picked the Longhorns, uh, so he's rated a four-star by 24-7. His composite's a three-star based upon their analysis with other services. Kyle, Texas has a tight end. Oh, yeah, baby. 2019 tight end. Well, and and not just like a, a big guy who's an extra tackle, you know, who can who can catch the ball sometimes, but like a dude, you know, this is a tight end who's going to be a, a – uh, a game breaker, Ted. And, you know, this is, uh, I think back to, you know, who started the curse at this position, Jermichael Finley, and, and not to besmirch his blocking skills, but I, I don't particularly remember them being um, unbelievable. But you know what that dude could do? He could go down the seam and catch some footballs and, and, and stretch the field and, and get some first downs and do that. And this guy, um, you know, Lebrock was like a he looked good, but it was really in seven on seven where he blew up on the scene when he was just, you know, outshining the receivers and, um, you know, just coming in and, and being a, a pass catching after the catch, um, you know, shifty, quick for his height, kind of all those things. Um, real fluid. Um, looks like he can always kind of find the little seam and get open. Those kinds of things that are pretty uh, intangible and natural and, and really um, looks great. And so, again, tight end is a position in this offense in this scheme with Tim Beck and Tom Herman that is is going to be there. You're never going to get rid of it. We talked about uh, Reese Leotow and, and Kate Brewer and some of the guys we have uh, here and what and what we have on, on the 40 acres right now. Let's keep adding. I think we need to be getting a big tight end every year um, in the case that someone doesn't pan out because if that's going to be a position of need and a position of emphasis, then let's make that a position that we're strong in and that, that we have guys in. So I don't know if he's going to come in on day one and be a, be a starter uh, or or anything like that, but I think he's a guy who can play four years at the University of Texas and not make that position uh, an embarrassment. So I, I mean, I think it's great. Get this guy on campus. Let's uh, let's you know let's get a great career out of this kid and, and maybe put him on Sundays. Yeah, you know he I I don't think he comes in day one and starts. He needs to put on some weight. Uh, you know he's he's only coming in. He's a six five or six six depending on who you who you're reading. But two twenty. He's got a big frame, so he can put on some weight. Um, you don't want to put too much weight on him though because he's obviously more of your split out tight end Mm -hmm. not necessarily your inline blocker but you know that kind of guy's going to have to be able to go over the middle and so his ability to do that and not get just demolished would be huge for for Texas but yeah we talk about the curse of Jermichael Finley I mean you know Jeff Swain is out there playing somewhere and uh, you know Caleb Blewett's playing somewhere but really Texas hasn't had a premier tight end since uh, Jermichael Finley and so you know I think Lebrock could be the guy and and I'm I'm on board for this don't you forget about NFL tight end Tyrone Swoops as well as Potential future Oakland Raiders tight end uh, recently signed Chris Warren the <laughs> third. Oh man, neither of those guys played tight end at Texas. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Fortunately, well, I don't. I don't know which. I don't know which way that that's swinging for me. But but, but you know, honestly, to be serious, um, for a minute, I think he's probably an underrated three star. This is the type of three star that I would like to see UT getting. This is the type of three star who ends up being like, how was that guy a three star? He was so great, um, as opposed to four stars who are like, well, was he really even a four star? Like he's a guy. He reminds me of a Tom Herman at U of H three star. These guys who 
maybe flew a little bit on the radar, maybe got a little bit underrated, saw some pop, saw some shine somewhere in a camp or a seven on seven or, you know, a stretch of games that they saw a coaching staff evaluated and decided that they could turn into a player. Like, I love, if we're going to go after three stars, this is exactly the type that I want filling out the rosters. The guys were just tremendous, tremendous upside. Uh, they maybe even feel a little hungry, feel like they themselves see themselves better uh, than that. So I, I really I really like this. I think he, he's going to be a good asset for the quarterbacks we have on campus now and, and even the freshmen coming in uh, as we go into the future. So Yeah, and it's going to add a ton of credence to all of the uh, Twitter trolls out there that are saying, oh, now that he picked up, a, uh, now that he's a Texas commit, he'll pick up a fourth star. You know what? The We spent... We spent years, and I'm probably going to piss some people off with this. We spent several years with a uh, recruiting staff that looked at the top seven guys on Rivals and offered them scholarships. So I'm really glad to see that this staff is really diving deep on uh, on analyzing players and analyzing the the talent that's out there. Because again. The fact of the matter is this guy held offers from the best schools in the country. I mean, it's not yep. just it's not just Texas seeing something in him and it's not just uh, them going for a guy. This is this is a this is a dude. Like I think you said it best. This is a dude that, you know, when push comes to shove, he's going to be a contributor. And I think, you know, he's got offers. He's got a, his offer sheet is pretty long. So the fact of the matter is he's he's going to be a guy for Texas and I'm excited to see them finally get a game changing tight end you know he's going to pair really well with uh with quarterback Rashawn um Rashawn Johnson out of PNG, which, you know, uh, I still am a little salty from some high school playoffs from Port H's Grove, but Absolutely. it's fine. Uh, <laughs> they, they were the better team, but, no. uh, you know, it, <laughs> wait, wait for our it's, other podcast revisiting, uh, high school football playoff travesties of the late nineties and early two thousands, uh, should be dropping soon decade and a half open wounds but I mean if if Saban offers him then I'm fine with Texas taking him like that's really where uh, where my head's at on this one but uh, quickly we're going to talk about just the uh, the non-revenue sports that we love so much are uh, or most of them were in action uh, this weekend especially for the spring semester so uh, men's and women's tennis is just just carving people up so the men and women both recorded back-to-back shutouts in their first rounds of the NCAA tournament. So the men shut out Bryant and Cal on Friday and Saturday. They're set up to face Mississippi State uh, on Friday the 18th, just a couple of days from this podcast posting. Uh, the women shut out McNeese State in the opening round, followed by a shutout of the Texas A&M Aggies. Kyle is giving a uh, thumbs down there. They're going to face Wake Forest on Thursday, the Demon Deacons. Uh, so for the, the women, this is actually they're uh, they're second in the last three, so they've won, gone to the Sweet 16 two of the last three years, and the men have made five consecutive Sweet 16. So the tennis team carrying their end of the load for the uh, the burn orange on the national scene. Absolutely, and that's some great coaching. I mean, we just uh, we did some facilities over there. Again, I talked last week about my love for our uh, ability to recruit and have the great facilities, and we redid that tennis uh, facility. So I'm happy to see that that's paying off dividends, and we're continuing to see some dominance in these programs. I actually think both these teams have a good chance to, to um, go on to the next round, but I do think the women have an even better chance to really make a deep run. So I'll be I'll be watching these uh, very closely coming up this next week. 
moving right along, uh, rowing, the third-ranked rowing team in the country, which is just so cool that the rowing team is killing it. They won their fourth consecutive conference title. Uh, again, congrats to those ladies. Track and field, both the men and the women came with a runners-up result uh, at the Big 12 uh, championships this last weekend. But highlighting, I think for us, maybe John Burt, a guy who we've talked about being extremely fast, uh, won the conference title in the 100-meter hurdles on Saturday. So that is, uh, that's again, he's just going to put pads on and, and uh, get back to football. Hopefully he's been working on some some hand drills to, to catch some balls with that speed. Yeah, we, we had a pretty good track star at UT uh, named Marquise Goodwin. So um, I'd love if, if John Burt can just shadow him uh, career-wise, so uh, so or maybe even do more because it seems like Bert is is a little bit raw in both, and as he polishes in both areas, his hands and also just his technique in the hurdles, that he could be really a, a, truly a two a two sports star. Uh, softball again is just continuing to uh, to just get in there. They're just getting in there. They're doing what they need to do. They took a third place. Uh, third place finish in the uh, in the women's tournament. They qualified for their 14th consecutive NCAA tournament. Uh, women's golf, the number eight team in the country, uh, they carded the third best 54 hole score in program history, finishing second in their regional on Wednesday at the University of Texas Golf Club, uh, advancing the the team to the NCAA championships for the third consecutive year, the 27th in program history, which is going to take place at Karsten Creek Golf Club, right around the corner from me, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah, the the ladies are looking really strong. I think they're number eight in the country right now, and uh, it was a little scary that Arkansas put, like UT put an incredible, incredible uh, round together. They, they did start off a little bit slow the first day, but ultimately really got it together. But Arkansas was like five strokes better. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about what Arkansas looks like at the next level. They may be a national championship type team if they can do that again. But uh, I think the women's golf has just as good a chance as anyone. So these are some really exciting exciting week coming up for the, the Longhorn sports moving into the NCAA tournaments. And at the time of recording, the, uh, the men are in the middle of their NCAA regional. Doug Gim led the men's team to uh to a lead, they're three strokes ahead of um, of the field. Doug Gim put up a 64 in the first round to lead the lead the Horns to a three stroke advantage. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of our favorite traditions in all of college sports: Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this? Week. Well, let me just give you a quick before I do that weather report of the weather here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, what I want to talk about is the This Is Texas tour um, in which I'm getting some of my inspiration to go scorched earth from my boy. Again, I'll refer to him as King Del Conte. Um, CDC is just coming out guns blazing in this tour. And, and I do want to quickly say I was like ready to go to this when it came to Houston uh, next week, I think Wednesday, and I'm going to be traveling for work. Unfortunately, I won't be there to give you all the live updates. But he was in Fort Worth this past week um, and gave candor and candid uh, responses that um, maybe you're not used to seeing. And I I do remember, I think it's been long enough that the statute of limitations has expired, but I remember sitting in a room myself when DeLos Dodds um, was talking about realignment and and said, uh, are there any reporters in the room? Because this is off the record. Again, this has been statute of limitations and said uh, about the the, um, 
the Aggies, he said, we found out who our true friends were, and they wear a, a much better shade of uh, crimson, um, and then kind of winked at the crowd, uh, as to say, you know, everyone hates the Aggies. But uh, again, that was about the extent that you got, you know, coded from DeLoss. He was careful. He was he was choice uh, with his words, and he kept things in-house. Del Conte's coming out and laying it out there. He's a 21st century um AD, as Gerald talked about previously, kind of a steward of mentor mindset of making this better when he leaves eventually for the next guy. But he's come in really thinking about the game day experience, the the, the football experience, kind of things that you know haven't been updated in decades. Um, he talked about the reason I joked about the weather is he he was like you know do we do we really don't need to to know that the weather's hot every day? It's a Saturday in Austin. We know it's hot. You know, everyone knows knows it's hot. Um, And just really talking about kind of the in-game scripts and do we really need third down presented by Pluckers and first down presented by, um, you know, uh, that pizza place, Conan's Pizza that Gerald loved. Um, And, uh, and, you know, the fourth quarter presented by Cold Stone Creamery. Sorry, Gerald, to hit all the... The, the home home nostalgia spots, but you know you didn't mix Texadelphia. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Um, but you know, uh, Del Conte really said we don't need that. Like, let's stick with the football. Let's stick with the experience. He talked about some some really crazy things, um, like you know his vision to close off San Jacinto um, and make that a pedestrian only, and really make that a, a kind of tailgating center, a hub for fans to, to congregate. Um, and I, as I said a few times, was it was a Texas Cowboy in college, so I had the opportunity to really tailgate before games at the at the Cowboys Pavilion, which is you know connected to the Texas Exus Center, which was a wonderful game day experience. I drank all the whiskey I wanted, and then I walked 11 feet, you know, across the street and into the stadium. And it was wonderful. But some people tailgate, you know, and have to then walk two miles, and it's tough, and they get in a little late. And, you know, he also talked about, like, why do we have – you know, 30,000 people like a sheep mentality going through one gate and we have 12 other gates that are empty, just like some logistical things. And and thinking about this, like we want people there early, you know, Mac Brown said it when he came. And I think that is really been the largest push in this game day culture in the past 20 years. You know, he had his, his, uh, be early, stay late, wear orange, be loud, you know, uh, and I may have butchered that, but, um, statement. And, and since then, what, what, what have we done to, to really push besides bringing in a guy with a jet pack? Um, so I think Del Conte's thinking about this from a really tactical perspective about what makes UT football special. What makes the environment special? He talked about, uh, he had a funny line about, you know, Coach Herman's office is, um, you know, still has shag carpet and a disco ball because it was built for like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the coaches in the 70s, um, McWilliams or whatever. But it's, uh, you know, it's like, those types of things like he gets it and he he clearly is frustrated by like well let's just come over and do it and and again bouncing off what i said last week like update the facilities update the experience get rid of the bs like just make texas football you know what it is a celebration of one of the best teams in the country all time who puts you know incredible athletes out there has incredible passionate fans and like let's build off each other fans you need to be better ut you need to make the opportunity for them to be better like let's come in and build this not only into one of the best teams one of the most storied programs but one of the best atmospheres so i'm just I'm getting excited, man. I, I'm drinking the, the the CDC Kool-Aid, you know, and I don't imagine it's grape flavored because I hate the color purple. But um, I'm drinking whatever flavor of Kool-Aid he's serving up right now, um, and I'm I'm 100 percent 
all in, and I'm sure, Gerald, you also are 100% in. I have said since college that for most people, the game day experience is social and not a game day, and so anything to enhance that, I'm fine with. Like It, it was... Um, the student section at times was pretty, pretty terrible, and thankfully, I didn't have to be in that student section when Texas was bad. I was blessed enough to get the tail end of Vince Young and the beginning of Colt McCoy. So yeah. uh, that was that was a good experience. So the student section was fun. But, you know, when Texas is bad, it seems like nobody wants to be there. And, you know, it, it you need to you need to have that sort of uh, game day experience for fans to want to come. My uh, my bang the drum is actually uh, in a similar vein. So Del Conte constantly is fielding questions about the playing surface in the stadium. And, you know, is it going to do they want to switch back to grass? Do we want this field turf? You know, what what is the uh, what is the the direction of the the, of Texas for its playing surface, which one feels like a ridiculous thing to have to say just out loud. Like there's a debate about grass or field turf. And I'm a I'm a pretty tradition tradition rich guy. I love traditions. You know, I, uh, I feel like we should listen to the same Christmas albums to put up the Christmas tree. And I feel like there are just some traditions that are, um, that are, that are there for a reason. And then there are some traditions that are just there to be traditions. And, and I'm probably going to frustrate some people, but I don't see the appeal of reinstalling natural grass just to say you have natural grass. Kyle is clutching his pearls currently. I remember that 2008 game where, let's be honest, there were some high school playoff games that were also on that field, and it was a mud pit. For Texas to continue to be an ambassador to the high school coaches, one of the biggest advantages is that, hey, you can come play on our field and we don't care about the condition because it's that really good field turf. Again, I I think traditions are great. I'm a big traditions guy. I I am a huge traditions guy. Uh, But when it comes to doing things just to do them, to say that we do them for tradition, when there is clearly a modern option, that is a better option because it's easier to take care of. It's easier to maintain. You don't have to spend the time, talent, and energy to maintain the field when you have this grass turf. And you can say, hey, you know what? We want to host the 5A and 6A state championship games in Austin. So you know what happens? The best players in the state are getting used to playing in Austin, Texas. And that's what needs to happen. And we're building relationships with the coaches. And for off-season workouts, you know what happens? We don't have to bust the players over to the practice facility. They can practice on the field. Like, there are so many logistical advantages to having an artificial surface. And again, I love seeing football played on grass. Nothing to me looks cooler than grass stains on the icy white Texas, you know, uh, pants. And, And seeing those types of things. I love tradition. I think football, especially college football, is great because of the traditions. But you can have traditions on artificial services. I think it is completely okay to say that. And we're probably going to get some angry tweets and emails. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, send all your fire to, we'll get to it, but at, at GH Goodrich on Twitter. Uh, I have two two brief caveats. Where you, I didn't mean to jump in, but I, I have two things. Yeah. 
feel free. First, we want if we're gonna you know be grass, then then we are lagging behind. That then this is a program we absolutely want to emulate. Um, probably the number one grass field and turf crew in the country uh, is in Ames, Iowa. So if we want to be the you know the Iowa State of the South, as we always say, um, <laughs> then go ahead and keep it. No, that's that's a joke. But truly, um, to quote uh, kind of the way I started this program, to quote Longhorn legend Ricky Williams, bruh, I ain't got no time for that synthetic. Just give me that good grass. Um, I think um, I think Ricky Williams uh, um, agrees uh, with, or actually disagrees with you um, completely. That's a made up quote, but I can imagine him saying it. But again, the Bitcoin <laughs> thing. But uh, but yeah, no, I I disagree with you just because I like the grass, but I don't have anything to back it up. It's just me liking it. So you're probably right on this, but. <laughs> We need opposing viewpoints, so I'll, I'll stick with my gut. Anti-turf. Anti <laughs> you know what? If they put in the grass, I'm totally fine with that. I think it's really cool. But you, you run into a situation where, again, Westlake High School wants to play its state championship yeah. game in, in, in the stadium, and you have to now worry about putting in new turf and having a divot at the 35-yard line and a player tripping and hurting themselves and having a mud pit and the, the – surface just looks terrible like i'm sorry that's just logistically yeah i'm a logistics guy i'm a systems guy like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me if we're trying to uh modernize things and make things uh steward things as i said a few weeks back. i agree with you and again i'll use one more example of what we don't want to be there's a school not far from us down the road that does traditions for tradition's sake and can't explain them wow um i don't want to get into this you know beveled logo versus non-beveled logo about 300 comments deep into a message board conversation over this um so i'm going to go ahead and agree with you let's uh let's use science and, and modernity and, and and use the best things. I've, I've quickly changed my tune. Use the best technology we have available because that's the type of school we are. We're the one school in Texas or one, I guess, large state school in Texas that is advancing research using modern technology and pushing towards the future. Send your kids to UT. What starts here changes the world. Boom. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Before we jump out, though, a reminder, check out our demographic survey, bit.ly slash survey. We will tweet it out this week and put it in the show notes. Just let us know where you're at. And just a little bit about yourself. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at Longhorn Pod. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Kyle Carpenter. But again, remember, you, you tweet all your uh, all your hot Kentucky bluegrass, St. Augustine, um, you know, uh, that's all the types of wheatgrass uh, <laughs> takes that you have um, to the next handle you're going to hear. Um, and that is you, Gerald. Where can they find you? If you have legitimate reasons why natural services is a, is a better idea than artificial, I will listen. I'm not I'm not just head in the sand on it. If there's a reason, then there's a great reason. But you can tweet me at GH Goodridge. Uh, again, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps a ton with visibility. Share this with your friends wherever you found it. Google Play, Stitcher, tune in. We're still not on Spotify. Thanks so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them and uh, buy your Bitcoin.